Welcome, action fans, and thanks for joining us for another edition of All 90s Action All the Time as we wrap up our short Val Kilmer season. I'm your host, Scott Murphy, and on this final Kilmer episode, we will be looking at 1997's The Saint. As always, I am not alone in dissecting this one. No, alongside me, you know who he is, I have my regular co-host, one-third of the Bloodhound Picks podcast, screenwriter, and a man who looks real sinister rocking a cane, it's Mr. Craig Draheim. <sighs> it's still early, so you want you want to get some coffee? <laughs> yes, yes, Craig. I think we should I think we should all do that. <laughs> and that's about as good of an accent as he gets. <laughs> Not to even to my own horn because it was a horrible German accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um <laughs> When when I was watching that scene, um, I kept thinking of because I know you've seen the show. I kept thinking of Steve Pemberton's uh, in the League of Gentlemen oh, yeah. uh, uh, character. You know, I kept expecting them to yeah. be like Ines Clark. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that is not all. It's not just Craig as returning for his second appearance on the show. We have fellow podcaster host of the One Pound Movie podcast, and a man who just today performed his third miracle, it's Mr. Wayne Saunders. <laughs> hello, hello, Scott. Hello, Craig. I was going to go for the German accent, and then uh, Craig ripped it. Oh, Second episode, he's done it to me. loves the German accent. <laughs> it's, it's the best thing in the film. We only watch it for that moment. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember that character's full name, but I do remember his, his first name is Bruno, for some reason. Yeah. Brilliant. Of course it is. Can't be nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> uh, now, on to today's film, The Saint, which was released on April the 4th, 1997. It was directed by Philip Noyce, who's had an interesting career. His credits include the likes of Patriot Games, Clear and Present Danger, uh, which are, are both action thrillers like this, but also critically acclaimed dramas like Rabbit Proof Fence and The Quiet American, both of which came out in 2002, and uh, chillers such as The Bone Collector and Dead Cam and a whole bunch of other stuff. It's really, really interesting digging into his filmography. Um, it was written by Jonathan Hensley, whose uh, most notable screenwriting credits include the likes of Jumanji, uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, and Armageddon. Although he gets a sole story writing credit and um, a part screenwriting credit, but his original screenplay was rewritten by Wesley Strick, whose most notable credits include the likes of Arachnophobia, the Martin Scorsese Kate Fear remake, and he wrote several episodes of uh, the Man in the High Castle TV show. Review-wise, it is currently sitting at 6.2 out of 10 on IMDb. Not too bad. 30% on Rotten Tomatoes based on 46 reviews. Ouch. 50 on Metacritic based on 22 reviews. Yeah. And a 2.7 on Letterboxd. Also, yeah. Box office-wise, it made $169.4 million off of a $90 million budget, making it the 21st biggest movie of 1997, which again is, yeah, but clearly not the Mission Impossible size hit that Paramount were looking for. So, 
as always. Um, actually, before I ask you about your relationships to this movie, um, a couple of questions I was uh, going to ask you both. So, uh, first of all, were you both aware that The Saint is based on a series of novels that predate the 1960 TV show? Because I was not until I started researching this episode. No. Uh, no. <laughs> So the series of novels date back, they started in 1928. Um, they were, uh, the author behind them was the British Chinese author, Leslie Charteris. And um, yeah, yeah, there's like some, like 60 novels. Uh, many of them were written by Charteris, but uh, some of them were just kind of edited by him um, and uh, were, were, were ghostwritten, but there's, you know, spanning over decades. Because I, I, I literally just thought it was based on the, 1960s TV show, uh, which leads to my second question. Now, Wayne, I'm going to guess because you are British, you might have seen it. Whereas Craig, I, I feel like you might not have seen it. Would I be correct in making that assumption? Um, I know it. I know the Volvo, I think it's V4, V3 that he drives in that film. I know there's Roger Moore, but apart from that, and I know it's an espionage type. Yeah. of the man from Uncle, Mission Impossible, of that era, of that ilk. You know, Cold War spy thriller type uh, show. I, I know that much of it. I, um, yeah, I never saw the show. I knew, I guess I knew about it in the sense of I heard the name when it was talked about, like with Mission Impossible, with um, what Man from Uncle, all those ones that kind of got lumped in, but only by name. Like that, that was all I knew about it. <laughs> over here yeah this is a I, I i didn't watch a lot of it but i definitely watched some repeats of it when i was a kid and this um and reading into the you know doing the research is quite uh because I, I didn't i only had a very vague memory of the show uh but it's quite different the film's quite different from from the show in that um i would hope so <laughs> yeah no he's more of a um so like basically people come to him when law enforcement can't help them. So he's like a criminal, but he's like a, a good criminal. Like he'll like, um, he's kind of like a kind of almost like a Robin Hood type figure of like, he, he sorts wrongs and stuff like that. And, you know, like um, he'll get info, you know, like on uh, a corrupt politician or, or something and, and expose uh, something like that or, you know, th things like that. So he's not, Unlike in this, he's not just a thief. Okay, so it, it's I guess an it are the well I guess that the American equivalent would for us would be like um, the Equalizer. I'd want to say or things that, or I guess I mean the A team did that, but it was to such a kind of bombastic like yeah extreme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. So it, it's weird because like I also um, from what I've read, the show kind of changes where at first he's kind of almost like more like a detective like a kind of Sherlock Holmesy, you know like okay. he uh, yeah but then he becomes more bondy as the the series goes goes on okay. so it goes from being like a kind of mystery series to kind of more of a kind of uh fantasy espionage series so i think the character kind of kind of changes also the character is much more of an action man and much more of a fighter than he is in this film. Which, I mean, he's kind <laughs> of a, yeah, 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 like, yeah. 
Oh dear. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't be somebody is uh, in. The... <laughs> yeah. Well, let's 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 get into that as we go. <laughs> let's get into that as as we go now uh, because we'll we'll talk about that soon enough. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a moment when um, I come looking for the saint, um, trying to find it on a streaming service, mm-hmm. and put it into Netflix and was like, the saint it brings up the saint. I was like, oh great, I haven't got to go looking for this. It's on Netflix. So I clicked on it. I was like, it doesn't look like the same time. <laughs> and there's a film from 2017. Which yeah, is the yeah, there is a film for yeah. like yeah. They're always. I mean, it's it's more of a franchise than you think because there was there was a there was the show in the 60s. There were all these novels that uh, we didn't know about um, up and, up until this stage. And um, there was also a show in the 70s uh, with with Ian Ogilvy called The Return of the Saint. And they kept trying to make this. They were trying to make this <laughs> film for years. Like apparently there was. Stop trying to make the saints happen, for God's sake. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently um, they basically they were trying to make a film in the late 80s that um, would have starred Piers Brosnan coming off of uh, Remington Steel. Um, but that fell fell through, and then there was uh, one that was uh, going to be made in the early. The Paramount was trying to make in the early nineties that was going to be directed by Sidney Pollock, um, which had Ray Fiennes attached to it. And oh. um, yeah, it was like uh, it's uh, interesting the journey to the screen of this movie. But <laughs> and now there's been what the guy from I never watched the show, but I know it's big right now. Bridgerton or whatever he's potentially up for the whatever the main actor that's kind of come off that they're talking about him being in the reboot or a remake sequel I don't know whatever they're gonna do of the same stop it just leave it alone <laughs> good lord it's all Tom Cruise's fault with those bloody Mission Impossible <laughs> you know billion billion dollar films let's, let's oh, just yeah. keep rebooting it isn't it yeah that's the other thing that's that's the other thing um uh, that I didn't mention, as well as the TV shows and, and the books and, and you know all, all that in this film and the 2017 film, there is about eight Saint films from the late 30s into the 40s, um, you know, predating the TV show, obviously. Between oh. like 1938 and 1943 or something, I think I read. What? <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> the Saint like, is... The saint is- what the what? The saint is older than. He's older than James Bond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He predates Bond. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wasn't expecting to come on here and get you know every day is a school day and all that. I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's ridiculous. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, there's. Uh, I mean, it, there's all sorts of things that I was not aware. Of. I I just thought there was like the sixth. I'm vaguely aware of the the 70s tv show as well but i i just thought there was the two tv shows there was this movie and then there was a 2017 movie and that's it but no there's all these films and there's these books and all, all sorts of um yeah what uh some of the films uh the 30s and 40s films starred uh, george sanders who is um possibly most famous for doing the voice of sheer Khan in the jungle book um so like it's uh, a whole whole cornucopia of things that, that I did not know about the saint uh, going into this episode. I mean, I'll forget all this tomorrow, but now it's like, wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. Oh. 
There you go. Anyway, um, I didn't actually ask the regular question of what is your relationship to this movie. So I'll go with you first, Wayne. Um, right, I saw this at the pictures uh, at the cinema in uh, in '97. Um, I was a regular um, to the cinema all the time, and I, there was something about this. I think it was off the back of maybe Tombstone and Ghost in the Darkness, which was a fantastic film. I love Ghost in the Darkness, even though Val Kilmer's accent work in that is nearly <laughs> as good as it is in The Saint. Um, and I remember going to the pictures and I remember two things that happened in this film. That's it. Yep. I remember the god-awful disguises and I remember Elizabeth Shue getting naked to warm Val Kilmer up. And I couldn't tell you the context of either. <laughs> that's how much this film uh, weighed on me. I, that's that's all I can remember of of the cinema going experience. I know that I saw the film, and I saw I remember those two moments, and that's it. I couldn't tell you the plot. I couldn't tell you what what it was about, whether it was a heist film or what. I that's it. It's been what's that? Twenty three years, twenty four years since I saw it. So okay. So yeah. Oh, and then having to try and find it. For to watch the to watch for the podcast uh, was an absolute monumental uphill struggle because I couldn't find it anywhere, and then out of the blue it turned up in my local CEX and in in good true form for my good self it cost me one pound. <laughs> oh, well done! <laughs> so this is a true crossover. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and and Craig, what about you? So I remember watching it. I mean, all I remember from watching it when I was a, a child, because I know my parents must have rented it on VHS, was the surprisingly the opening scene where he's the little kid and he's holding onto the bars and he mm. wants the kiss and then the um, yeah, girl yeah, is yeah. killed. That's all I remembered. Then I then in high school, I had a an English teacher who knew I was interested in um, things like in film and screenwriting and um, even comic books and stuff like that. And I think trying to work with me more <laughs> he um <laughs> he um, ended up like he suggested all these stuff all this stuff um and he suggested David Mammon at one point I know Scott I've told you the story where he told me that oh well David Mammon wrote this actually wrote a movie that's really interesting where it's about Val Kilmer saving the president's daughter but it's never revealed and that's um Spartan and what he ended up telling me is that he also did um he told me the saint as well wrote that i went oh okay so i watched both of them um obviously david mammon didn't write the saint nope <laughs> not learned, connected to yeah. in any way <laughs> yeah so i believe that for all these years but and they're vastly different and different in terms of their writing but then i didn't all i still remembered is just that opening scene and i never knew what it was attached to and then um a year ago there was a deal on um voodoo which has which is like for digital movies and stuff like that mm. and it was 7.99 for like three movies digital movies i was like oh i'll do it i picked the two i wanted and i couldn't really think of anything else so it's like oh, well there's the, the saint i guess i'll yeah I, I need to have three of them so i put it on there so i've owned it for a year now digitally but this is the First time I watched it, watch. and probably about what over fifteen years or so, and there was stuff I remember watch as watch I was watching it, but up until that point, I yeah didn't remember anything at all. 
yeah, I really didn't remember like uh, much about this film. I know I have definitely seen it from beginning to end once. Uh, you know, I did, and I didn't see it in the cinema. I maybe saw it. I I either rented it or I saw it on telly. Um, so, and I know that I have seen bits of it on, on telly um, a couple of times um, since then. Um, so, like, definitely when I was watching it, I was like, oh, I remember kind of more of this movie than I thought I did because I was just like, I yeah, I, I struggled to really remember uh, much at all. Uh, but yeah, there there were certain moments where I'm like, oh, this kind of feels feels familiar. Um, so I don't know for some reason, like, um, and obviously we'll get to it when when it happens. But for some reason, the like the kind of date they have in the restaurant or like the weird. <laughs> where he like walks up to her like that. I was like oh that seems kind of oddly familiar oh, interesting um, uh, there is like way stranger stuff that happens in this film that I didn't say, that I didn't remember for some reason that I'm like watching it I'm like why didn't I remember this why didn't I remember this weird rat club I don't know <laughs> fuck is this that's a design choice that we will talk about more later <laughs> uh, yeah so so that so that's me as well so like we basically all had seen it once <laughs> and then have not seen it in like in my case probably 20 years in uh, your case craig 15 and in your case wayne to like the full 20 you know, 23 24 <laughs> yeah. um, so, uh, since, uh, since it debuted at the cinema i think i was there the second week it was on okay so yeah Amazingly, this this film never gets shown on television either. It's not one of those ones that's constantly, uh, you know, in um, in ITV 2s uh, playlist of films. It's it's never on. Amazingly, you know. Yeah, it is weird that though. Like it's kind of because it feels like it kind of could be like a kind of ITV two or even like a kind of five star type. Oh, I don't five, mean it's like got five star written all over it. Is yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. For, like for for Craig, five star is is a channel. I'm not talking okay. about the quality of the movie. Yeah. It's, it's a TV <laughs> TV channel. Um. <laughs> okay, that makes sense. No, but in this movie, it. I didn't realize, I guess going into it and thinking of things like Mission Impossible and all that are thinking heist movies and going into it, there's so much that it it's just more of like a, so much that's just a romance that I wasn't expecting that I was like, oh, okay. So we're just doing all this now. We're not even worried about the heist. He's not even that good at this heist stuff. He's <laughs> just, yeah. That's true. Um, well, there was a lot of studio interference in this movie, so the no, movie... surely not. <laughs> so there was there was there was two separate reshoots um, that happened because apparently um, some of the test audiences liked the remand, uh, the remands, the romance. Um, so yes, so it was recut because basically in the original cut, um, Elizabeth Shue's character Emma Russell dies three quarters of the way through the movie mm. um she is killed and um and then there is this big uh fiery climax that 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 happens um at the end of the movie um where he is yeah he has this battle with the the villain on top of a shandy basically if you you look up um the same alternate ending on youtube you can see what kind of what the original ending was going to be with this uh, battle that he has with um, 
the villain of the movie's son, Ilya. Okay. Yeah, um, Chief Henchman uh, number one, that's what I'll call yeah. him. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, so, yeah, he has this... The, 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 basically, um, there is a point later on in the movie where we discover that the kind of mansion headquarters of Ivan has a, like a kind of pool of oil underneath it. And there is uh, like a, a tank fires on the place and then that explodes the, the the oil underneath the building and then they're kind of fighting on top of the chandelier and then uh simon cuts the chandelier and he you know falls in the big fiery you know and says and you can actually you can actually watch that that clip um on youtube if you type in the scene wow. alternate end is ending and it's from an old russian vhs it says in the description because because it's not in English, it's it's in it's in Russian. It's, you can't listen to the dialogue or was whatever. It, was it found in the same Transylvania miners' um, event horizon? Box? Uh, it could be, <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was it was an uh, it was Russian. It was it was Russian because like um, you know um, it's actual. We can't just unlike this movie, we can't just say people are Russian when they're you know. Um, Why not? Why not? <laughs> which is that's another thing about this movie that there's so i get that you know there's so many movies obviously where they're in a different country that doesn't primarily speak english and they are that's common whatever especially mm -hmm. if it's made by an american or um, yeah english studio but this one they there's specifically speaking russian at parts but then at so many other moments you're like wait why is everybody else just why aren't they speaking russian then Did you have all the <laughs> yeah we, we, we gotta get to that later on because yeah. we're, we're gonna, we're gonna <laughs> get in so like um we, we will now moment. uh we've been talking maybe kind of 15 20 minutes so like yeah. um we now <laughs> should probably get into the plot of the movie and for the listeners if this is the first time you've listened to one of our episodes we talk about the plot of the movie from beginning to end so we spoil everything so if you've not seen the movie you want to see the movie go away see the movie anyway this is your official spoiler alert but now to craig to start yes. the movie <laughs> so to start the movie we are told that it is in the far east yesterday which does not necessarily mean yesterday as in yesterday, but in the past. And we are up at this, basically an orphanage run by a, the church. And this kid is, that we come to learn is Val Kilmer, is Simon Templar. He is, he's causing a ruckus and the priest hates it. And because he is reading something else instead of the Bible. And while well, the, the priest keeps telling him, you need to say your name because each one of you was named after a saint. All of you, you know, basically bastard born and so on and so forth. We should probably explain yeah. that the name the church gave him was John yes. Roti. Um, and like Simon Templar is the name he picks himself. And yes. it's like, um, but yeah. But yeah, so he's forced to either declare his name in front of God, but he takes that time instead to make this basically a lock pick because if he, <laughs> because until he says his name, none of the boys will get to eat their food. So he makes the lock pick undoes the food and all the boys eat the food and they're cheering for him. And he's kind of seen as the Simon, the magician and they're running through this whole, the whole area because he's going, they're going to escape and he finds, 
and the girl Agnes that he, you know, has a crush on, she comes out to him and he just wants a kiss before, you know, he leaves. A nun finds out the girls are missing. They apparently need police dogs <laughs> to hunt down small children. <laughs> and Agnes is pounced on by a German, like a large German shepherd and plummets to her death, which we find, which then Simon is horrified and that shows him merge into, you know, Val Kilmer age. As it's all a bit trite, isn't it, the start? Yeah. It's all <laughs> yes. a bit like, okay. And to be fair, <laughs> this is 1997 and a lot about the Catholic Church hasn't come out at this point. Yeah. So you watch it in 1997 and go, this all seems a bit much. you got dogs on children and this, yeah. thing, this priest is an absolute maniacal tyrant. What the hell's going on? And then you find out what happened in the uh, recent, you know, in the last 10 years, what's been going on in the, uh, the uh, Catholic Church for a very long time in orphanages. And you go, actually, you've underplayed it just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, we don't want to go too deep down that <laughs> rabbit hole. No, no, no. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, again, this is one of the differentiations from like the show and the books and all that kind of stuff like that. Because I think um, he has, he's like an enigmatic figure and we don't really know much about him. Whereas, so this is, this tragic backstory has just been tacked on for the movie. Yeah, and that is, again, will be, um, explained upon by all of us later on but for somebody who's supposed to be kind of this mysterious figure that nobody knows him and he gives himself up he tells people a lot <laughs> or you know he gives a lot away but yeah I, I definitely watching that it was like wait so he's just like these two dogs are just pulling this priest down the hallway and when they pounce on the girl <laughs> what kind of why would you have dogs like that trying to find children <laughs> Like the dog doesn't even just try and grab her or sniff or like, oh, it barks and acknowledges. It's like full on as if it was a criminal attack. Yeah, it just like pounces on her and yeah, and then she just falls off the, the stairwell and to to her death, which is apparently scarred Simon for life. Because like this is uh, it's kind of uh kind of portrayed that this is like a, a nightmare that a recurring nightmare that, that Simon yes. A, re a recurring nightmare that is never mentioned again in the film. <laughs> well, it, it, it is in, in flashback late on. Um, when, when he has hypothermia, he mentions it kind of. Yes, and then there is a flashback to that scene just after that, um, but it doesn't really play into the movie much. Um, but then, <laughs> like, yeah, like there's a lot of things to unpack here, so we should we should, we yes. should move on to, so, to what to what's happening in the present day, where we have or tomorrow, as they call tomorrow. it, tomorrow, <laughs> yes, where we have Val Kilmer as Simon Templar listening to his mission breakdown. I don't know. I feel like that's kind of like an actor getting into a part. I suppose yeah. that's how it's that's how it's maybe being portrayed. Because I was just thinking, like, this feels like unnecessary like he's because he's listening to himself recount yeah like what he has to do and i'm like it's okay so maybe i was trying to make sense of why this is happening then i was like <laughs> oh well, maybe it's like an actor trying to get into the part so he's like listening to himself while he's putting the stuff on it still doesn't yeah. really yeah, yeah yeah i'll go with that <laughs> and he looks at himself the whole time and it happens several times throughout this movie where he'll look at himself in the mirror and you know he'll say a couple lines, and then he'll kind of turn his head and look back again, and give like a 
smolder Val Kilmer smoldering <laughs> look or something <laughs> that, <laughs> that he'll yes. do it again oh. you know it, the smug looks he gives in this film yeah. are one of the joys of the movie like um it's one of the best things yeah <laughs> but this one is apparently an australian with gray short gray hair a gray mustache in moscow so that's um, what he decided to do no he is he, uh, like when he's in the mirror he's doing oh, yeah. a russian accent so oh, he's yeah, originally, he's, originally a russian character when he first goes undercover um to break into this building he is a russian who then becomes an australian <laughs> when he is caught out by yes um Ivan's son Ilya, who we just think is I don't know, like just like a coke-addled idiot at this, you know, yeah. when, when we we're first introduced to him, <laughs> but apparently is a badass who who is totally equal and actually looks like he could have beat up uh, Simon, uh, you know, when he captures. Well, when he when he finds out that he's like stealing shit. Yeah, and what's yeah, it's, what's interesting is that the son. A lot of people make a lot of assumptions in this movie <laughs> that is is just because the script says so. So Simon, he sneaks in, he goes up some stairs, then he climbs up the window to another part and then goes up some more stairs to the get this microchip. And what you end up during this whole, um, it's basically a big speech that is being given. Yeah, it's very um, Roman Empire, yeah. isn't that? You know, friends, uh, yeah. Christians, countrymen, you know, all yeah. that but- and yeah. The, yeah, and this is by you know who is like the main villain of the movie, I, uh, Ivan Tretiak, who is played Tretiak. by. I'm I'm going to try and get this. I've listened That's to I've, 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 I've got I've listened to pronunciation of this in a few interviews before coming on to this. Um, so the actor who plays Ivan Tretiak is Radi Serbetsia, Serbetsia, something. I'm terribly sorry to any Croatian listeners who are offended by that um, pronunciation because, yes, he's playing a Russian, but he's Croatian. Um, So, yes, but that's my best attempt in it. And uh, hopefully I've got it close (laughs) to uh, what it actually is because he's a good actor. And, um, you know, uh, yeah. And I particularly like him as Boris the Blade in Snatch. He's really good in that. Has, has, um, Rade, uh, Sebedzia and Sebedzia. Peter Stormare ever played, played their own nationality? That's the question. <laughs> or uh, has ever he ever played, played Croatian? I don't yeah. think so. No, I think uh, he's mainly sure played Taken, Russian. Yeah, in Taken, he plays either Ukrainian or Russian. Mm. In, in Eyes Wide Shut, he definitely plays a Russian who's trying to pimp his daughter out, I seem to remember. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, he's mainly Russian. played Russians in his career. Yeah. I don't I mean, think I've never seen him play a creation. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this is the first thing you get where it's a, a Russian speech. People are randomly saying Russian lines to each other, but then his speech is completely in English, and most of all that happens is completely in English, which then kind of makes this weird dynamic setup. But yeah, uh, the son, he goes out to snort some cocaine, apparently out of his watch. And he sees an open window and then instantly, this is kind of that assumption. He's like, oh, somebody must have broken and went all the way up to the safe area. And That's true. Although yeah. uh, I did, do want to point out that his son, Ilya Tretiak, is played by Valery Nikolaev, who is actually Russian. Hey, finally. 
we're only, we're only 20 minutes into the film. We've finally seen a Russian. It's great. <laughs> but one of uh, one of his cohorts, uh, one of his uh, the son's right hand man, um, is played by a Scottish actor Tommy yep. Flanagan. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I went, hang on, that guy's not <laughs> Russian. <laughs> uh, just just before we move on, do we think yeah. that uh, the makers of the Saint? I've got um, a very big cause to sue Marvel and Sony Pictures for uh, Spider-Man Far From Home uh, for the outfit that the Saint wears at the start of this and the covert <laughs> Spider-Man outfit. Or was it just me sitting there going, you're in trouble here, lads? Yeah. <laughs> I can see your point. I can see your point. I think they have a case. I think Paramount might have a case. Paramount, if you are listening. Um, you know. Slip us a tenner, we come up with it first. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, like we did uh, an episode on on the movie Breakdown, and we interviewed the I interviewed the director of that movie, uh, Jonathan Mosto, and that's that's Paramount Pictures. So I think we've got the in with Paramount now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> get him in there. Get him in there. So you'll find out tomorrow that Disney's now acquired Paramount Pictures oh, just <laughs> just to smooth this smooth this uh, little bump in the road over. Yeah. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, 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 yes. Okay. Let's get back to the movie. Yes. We've, we've covered nothing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Not unlike the film, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> so the the son, you know, makes the assumption goes up. He finds that the no, because the laser the laser grid hasn't even been deactivated. He deactivates it, so he still assumes somebody's broken in. Apparently, goes through all these corridors and then ends up at the vault where simon has just retrieved the the microchip he was looking for and this is where he pulls the gun on him and simon tries to barter saying i'm being offered a in his australian accent now <laughs> yes <laughs> i'm being offered a million dollars i'll split that with you 50 50 that for your drug habit or something like that and this son is actually he will not as much as Simon brings up your father isn't good to you or your father is lying to you or anything like that, the son actually stays pretty loyal to the father throughout the movie. But, as you would. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as your dad. Yeah. That's true. And not in the original cut. In the original cut, um, Ilya becomes the main villain because he just shoots his dad. <laughs> I could see that happening, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Also, I really like the exchange like when um, he pulls out the gun. Um, I just... <laughs> For some reason, it really made me laugh when, um, in his Aussie accent, he was just like, "Oh, Mike, don't don't worry about it. Just guns make me nervous." And then, <laughs> uh, and then, Ilya says, "Ooh, suck me sideways." And yeah. like, what? What is that? What kind of insult saying is that? that Ninety-seven. Every single one of us was saying that in nineteen ninety-seven. <laughs> <laughs> was that like the the most popular insult of nineteen ninety-seven? I just uh, wasn't aware. Where I'm from, yeah, uh, I'm yeah. from. Uh, I'm from Dudley in the West Midlands. Yeah. Uh, yeah, every single one of us at 17 years old was saying that. It was the main <laughs> insult it was. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I was obviously too young. I was only 12 at the time. So. Yeah. But the, he also makes that comment too about what he doesn't like. How's he phrase it? He doesn't like condoms, so take the basically telling him to take his mask off. Or he doesn't like protection. Yeah, or uh, that's like, it's a weird way he puts that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, loving, I'm absolutely loving this scene where yeah. they get to talking they get to um 
you know, having these little exchanges. He drops the um, the microchip stroke. It would be an SD card now. He drops yeah. the microchip, and you you know it's going to go all sideways. And then you think, okay, in the vein of these films, you know, of the time, it's going to be a nice little, you know, what's going to happen in the first exchange between them. And the saint, nearly enough, gets battered, and I loved every <laughs> minute of it. He, it's like complete. No, you're you're in nothing. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna hand your ass here, and I'm gonna do it smiling. It's fantastic. Loved every moment, every punch and kick that he lands is is brilliant. It's it's a weird scene though, because like mm. in terms of in terms of the setup of the movie that we've had so far, which is again very little, uh, but um, he's been set up as like this uh, super sleuth. This kind of, uh, you know, like master thief, you know, like he's he's a, he's in all the professional gear. He's got all this. He's got all this stuff, and we see him sneaking about. And um, so we, from that very little snippet, we get a sense that this guy is professional. He is a badass. And from the very little snippet of we, the son we get before the uh, this, it's just like, oh, he's the waster son of like a billionaire guy who's got a coke problem. And then all of a sudden they fight and it's like, oh, this this kid is like kicking his ass. Like this loser is kicking his ass. Like what if he met like a real badass? Like he'd be in real trouble. Like <laughs> the hero of our movie. <laughs> like really? <laughs> we, we we need to move on to the, the moment how he escapes um, Ilya, which is yes. by far the most incredulous scene. Bearing in mind we're talking about Cold Fusion taking over as the world's uh, leading energy, energy supplier. Yeah. In this film, this is the most incredulous moment of the film for me. Go for so, it, Wayne. So he, uh, he, Ilya's got the saint in a headlock, and through some trite, strange explanation, I may have been writing a note, there's a, a fire explosion, uh, some sort of flamethrower, that Ilya and the saint are stood about 50, 60, 70 feet away from, but somehow it scorches Ilya's eyes, so he has to let go of the saint. At which point I paused the, the DVD because I was like, I've missed something here, haven't I? He I haven't. like throws, yeah, he like throws like a flash bomb onto the safe, but for some reason, yes, it only affects Ilya. So it doesn't really be like you do see this the saint like like palm like a like a, like a kind of flash bomb onto the uh, onto the safe, but it's, it still it's doesn't make sense. Bomb. It only affects Ilya. It's the distance. It's yeah. how far he, and how it affects him. It's like, oh my god, I can't see. I'm gonna have to let everything go. Oh. And then he's fine in the next scene. It's crazy. It's but that's how this film sets up. <laughs> that is how this film sets up, and it sets it up nearly because um, Simon uh, disappears out a window, and we get our first um, sting of the uh, the the scene theme music. Uh, so so that's fun. Yeah, I, I do love this. But he, yeah, who, who he, was it who recreated the the same theme for this film? Was it Orbital? Orbital. Yeah, I, I absolutely love that. And they don't. They, it's completely underused in the film. They should really be bashing that about because <laughs> it's it's a banging soundtrack. Because yeah, he um, so he jumps off the building onto a, a padded truck, basically changes disguises. Um, somebody sees him, but is like, oh, it's just some bum now or whatever, and then pushes him to the side. But then. They go looking for the, but he, he goes next to a, um, another homeless man, gives him a bottle of vodka. And then when they find who they think it is going to be the saint, then it's just the other homeless man. And then 
while the saint is now wearing, I mean, Simon is now wearing long hair and with like headphones and he's taking pictures. So he's already in a different disguise. I did, for all his fault, I did enjoy that. I thought it was a nice little Harry yeah. escape sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. His arms around that bloke with a bottle of vodka. I thought that was that was at least credible. <laughs> yeah, that's that, that's that's very funny. Um, and and then uh, interestingly, um, we see him on a plane, and he's now in a different disguise as his. Um, I called him Spanish Jim Morrison on, on a plane. Um, because that's kind of what he is, and it's interesting as well because, uh, much like um, uh, in The Ghost in the Darkness, um, <laughs> where Emily Mortimer has a small role in which she's completely wasted, Emily Mortimer turns up in a small role where she's completely wasted. <laughs> I think yeah. I think I closed my eyes for this moment, so I didn't see her. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you blink, she's got she's basically he's. She says something about a, that cross he's holding, and then he's her says it's his grunt. Or was you know I'm not even going to try. I already botched a German <laughs> accent. <laughs> he says it's his grandmother's, you know. And then um, what she's being moved to England by her husband while everything is going sour in um, Russia. And oh, and that, also I yeah. should mention that as much as I think Emily Mortimer is a great actress. Her Russian accent is <laughs> as ropey as Val Kilmer's accent. She yeah. is doing the full kind of yes, I am Russian woman. Let's uh, <laughs> let's, let's let's give some praise to Emily Mortimer because would you bother trying to put on a Russian accent if all they're paying you is a tube of Pringles? Yes. That's a fair point. You make a fair point, Wayne. Uh, totally, um, I believe in your defense of Emily Mortimer. She is absolved of all yeah. <laughs> of all sins of acts. And we must say, in Ghosts in the Dark and the darkness we praise that she deserved way more than she got in that so we are emily mortimer fans uh, we are <laughs> but yeah so he seduces her or, no first they go through customs and of course scotland yard is there and they're like oh well he kind of looks like the guy <laughs> but I guess he's not because he, even though he has the same eyes, the same chin, the same face, facial structure, but he has long black hair now and he doesn't sound like an Australian. So I guess it's not him. So let's just let him go through. Again, <laughs> and it's these things of like the plot says so because it's like, well, the police have reasonable suspicion there. Yeah. You know, it's, it looks kind of like the same, you know, like, you know, they probably would pick it, but um, Inspector Teal, uh, played by uh, journey actor Alan Armstrong, um, he is like, no, no, I suppose we can't, we can't lift him. <laughs> yeah, because yet they know that he wears disguises too. They have all of the different disguises. That is true. Like, yeah, brilliant. I'm and I, um, I, I feel like Inspector Rabino, who played by Charlotte Cornwall, should really be leading the the investigation because <laughs> she is very much like, yeah, but he looks the same. Like he looks like he's the same. Should we not? Left them and Inspector Teal was like, no, I just. Mm. I don't it's know. probably ten minutes to lunch, wasn't it? It's all that paperwork. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck this shit. I did, let him go. Whatever. We'll catch him somewhere else. It's it's like the the one with Superman or something. The one person that's like, hey, that looks a lot like Superman, <laughs> but he's wearing glasses. Maybe it's him. And everybody's like, no, 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 it can't be. <laughs> that's, Are you mad? That's basically, you mad? this movie. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> I've, got to, I've got to point out at this moment, we are 
We are 20 minutes into yeah. it, and we have not reached the main plot of this film at all. That, we, that is true. All this right, we'll, we'll, we'll speed along. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll speed, speed along. <laughs> not we'll, us. We'll, not us. We're doing fine. I'm on about the actual film. 20 minutes yeah. into this film, and we're nowhere right. near the yeah. main plot. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're not into the main plot, and we've been recording for about 45 minutes. So, like... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so what basically ends up happening is that they don't find the microchip on him during scans or anything because he put it in the cross which he gave to Emily Mortimer, which then he apparently seduces at a later date, even though she talks about being married and all that, and retakes the the microchip when she's sleeping, leaving her a rose. And yeah, then it's him in his, I guess, other new hideout or wherever he goes different hotel rooms and he's getting um uh an encrypted message that reads like something completely different it's like a whole letter but when you press a button it like shifts the words and letters to give a different message saying that somebody wants him for another mission and he's trying to reach 50 million dollars so then he could just retire because 42 million is not enough to retire yeah i was yeah. Just thinking exactly <laughs> that 42 million in 1997s that buys a lot of donuts that does <laughs> but anyway he's looking for that nice round number of uh, 50 million so he's got to take on one last job so this is it's a real mixture of, of various types of movies uh, but yeah. um <laughs> Um, none of which uh, kind of add up, but um, anyway, <laughs> uh, we we got to get on with the actual main plot of the movie because we're now <laughs> into the main plot of the movie. As he has to go to the scientist's lecture because he is trying to steal the formula for cold fusion, which is the energy of the future. And um, the Emma Russell, the scientist, is played by Elizabeth Shue, and uh, yeah. Yeah, so but, like he goes along as a journalist, um, pretending to be a kind of old crotchety English journalist <laughs> uh, with wonky teeth. And he, but the thing that entertains me about this scene, right? So he goes and he talks to, to Emma and he knows who Emma is, right? And um, he uh, basically says like, oh, you don't believe in this uh, cold fusion mumbo jumbo. <laughs> and, um, and then like emma's like oh yeah yeah i do um you know because obviously she's going to be the one talking and then after she goes up to talk to the class he says oops as if he's made a full path now why would he do that because it's like he, he know he knows he's just saying that as part of the act because yeah you see what i'm saying yeah no, yeah, I I didn't understand that part because I thought, well, did he only know her by name or did he actually know her face? I don't know. It, it didn't make sense. There's other parts when he's in character, he says certain things that you're like, so is is that his, nor, his I guess, real self coming through? And I, I don't know, especially when it comes, it's specifically with anything that deals with Emma, that yeah. himself is coming through, which I guess they're trying to show, but doesn't work fully. But we did forget to mention, though, before that happens, he does meet with the Russians again as the German. Um, his oh, German friend Bruno, of course. Yes, yeah, his German agent or whatever it it's supposed to be, like his handler that he plays. <laughs> but it's really not important to the. It's just he meets with the same people he just stole from, and they know it's him. 
the whole time, but he's still playing the character. <laughs> they're, they're completely impressed with how he rumbled them in Moscow. Yeah. So now they want him to do a job for them. And the minute he walks away, um, Ivan says to Ilya, it doesn't matter, we'll kill him in the end anyway. And it's like, oh, oh, oh. it's very nonchalant and nothing. And it's like you say, it's a point in the film that probably could have been handled in an email. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. 47, yeah, we got sorted. Well, they could have done it on that Lotus messaging board where he does all those cryptic messages. You could have done it there. Yeah, It's one of those. Absolutely. It's just and it's- the funny thing about that scene is, as well, he's supposed to be this master of disguise, but Ilya, who's maybe the smartest person in this movie, um, immediately <laughs> sees through the disguise. In, in two, he doesn't have any doubt. He's just like, oh, no, that's the exact same guy I saw. He's just like wearing a wig and shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. dear. Yeah, he goes and breaks into Elizabeth's way. He goes and breaks into he breaks into Emma Russell's apartment after seeing her at the um, uh, at the the theoretical um, Oxford talk about cold fusion, and it's one where she um, impresses the the class by being like, "Oh yeah, I just have a gut feeling about this," and all these scientists go, "Yeah, that seems right. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, gut feeling. Let's go with that. Wow, that's incredible." But anyway, he breaks into her apartment. But he realizes, bitch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he realizes she's not. He's like, oh, she's not evil or anything. She's just, she's a little eccentric, and but she's innocent or something like. So he's starting to feel a certain way as he he just chills too. He's not even a good thief in that sense. He like messes stuff around. He like sits on her couch and just reads. Just... This is the one I'm, I'm talking about. So he breaks into her apartment, and he's doing his own narration of of the. Of walking around her apartment, oh, you'd like to have a coffee in the morning, and you do this, and oh yeah, I'm gonna lie on your bed. And it's like, what the fuck? Why are we doing this open narration? We're not stupid. We can see what he's doing. Is it? Are you doing this for the hearing, uh, for the um, uh, the people of partial sight? I don't understand why why the director thought this was a good idea to have him openly openly vocal about you know talking about what he's doing and trying to explain what she's doing in that apartment. After he's broken, it just really it was a weird moment within the film. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. It's it's a very it's a very strange choice, but <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> there is there is a fantastic moment uh, when he breaks into an apartment, and we see the MVP of 1997, um, the the backs on which all other uh, technological improvements have been made. We see, which it's been long missing from my life. We see a fantastic floppy disk. Let's, have, <laughs> let's save it for the floppy disk, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. yep, absolutely. Um, but um, we should we should probably yes um, speed a lot, speed along a, a, a bit yes. a bit faster as as we as we get into the as we get into the main plot. So yeah, so she realized. So basically, in a speed round, she real he realizes she needs a p- poet in her life. So he dresses up as uh, <laughs> another Jim Morrison, who's supposed to be South African of horror, and um, named Thomas Moore. And he then leaves his book. His she as she's walking through Oxford, she finds him drawing a sculpture. He leaves the book. Wink, wink. She finds it and kind of reads through. And then while she's at a, a pub, I guess. And then he finds her again saying, again, I'm not going to try and do in a South African accent because I can't <laughs> and neither can Kilmer. No, no, you're going to do it now. You've got to have a good name. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but he, he talked, you know, he's talking like a like an artist, like a the stereotype of what an artist would, and basically seduces her, but he can't be with her, and he's all brooding, and he walks off. He breaks the bottle, and I know Scott wanted to get into this part, and then he's like, "What am I doing? I shouldn't be doing this." Is a normal voice, and then he is like, "Okay, it keeps going." He cuts his forehead. And then she walks up and is like, oh, what happened? He's like, oh, I was thinking about you, but I smashed my head. And he's like. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So I I wanted to talk about a couple of points in this scene. The first point I wanted to talk about was actually in the pub, because I just think it's very, very funny that, um, like, just to show that she is an eccentric scientist, um, she she keeps all the notes um, for the equations for the cold formula in her uh, cold fusion uh, formula in her bra and um and then the kind of the punchline of the scene is that um simon keeps his money in in his crotch it's, a, it's just it's just a very it's just a weird <laughs> just like she's stuffing notes into her her, her bra he's he pulling money out his crotch it's just it's just like what am i watching is this like a spoof yeah <laughs> That's why I said there's so many points where in that gets so, especially when later on when they're you know kissing or whatever, when they keep seeing each other and there's so much sexual tension that I, I kept it felt so hokey or it was like those moments of just like let chuckling and shaking my head. I had probably a good forty times I want to say in this movie like Jesus Christ, what is happening right now? I, I mean, <laughs> let's let's get into this bit here now. Yeah. This part uh, of the film. The, the other the thing, no, just oh, just quickly. The other thing, like, because there, there's two things. The other thing I wanted to, to to quickly mention, and I know you get fed up with this, uh, Craig, because I always bring up professional <laughs> wrestling in in podcasts. I don't give. Um, <laughs> but right, so like in professional wrestling, um, when a wrestler wants to get color, i.e., um, bleed, um, they they have like um, in like the wrist taping. They will keep like a like a thin razor blade, like you know, um, which they can get out of the wrist taping and like slice across their forehead to to and like you know, and then they kind of uh, hold their breath and if 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 they do that, you know, it gets the blood running and then, like your face is covered in blood basically, you know, it's an it's a kind of shortcut to to get blood, yeah. um, and so like. I think that would have been like an easy way to do it. But like in this movie, like so he could have just followed the professional wrestling route. But in this film, he takes out a big fucking knife and just stabs it into his head. And I'm like, there's much I've watched wrestling for many decades now, and it's a much easier way to do this. Um, that maybe you should have talked to a wrestler before you did this. Yeah. Oh, that that's that's I mean, the only point I wanted to make about that 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 specific point. There's two things from the pub scene that I want to bring up. Obviously, the first one is Minty shows up from EastEnders. He's there. That is correct. I love that scene. And the other thing which blew me away, and it's it's because it's such a faux pas now, the smoking in the pubs, because it's 1997. And I was like, oh, my God, they're actually smoking in the pubs? Because it's such a um, I don't know, yes. yeah, cliched faux pas thing now, isn't it? It's, you don't do that. It, it's just well, not done anymore. Yeah, the smoking ban would not come in for another nine years. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Okay, now I feel old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> the smoking ban, because I like at the time when the smoking ban came in, I was still smoking, so I remember it coming in two thousand six. I've, uh, I've oh, got one one other point on this moment. Okay. So when 
I don't know if you're going to get to this point, but when Elizabeth Shue gets his book and he's looking through and she reads that god-awful poem. <laughs> which was written by Val Kilmer himself. Yep, that's my point. That's it's been it was written by Val Kilmer, which I found out today. And it only made to see it only seemed to make the poem worse when I found that out. <laughs> and this I mean, they flirt all afternoon in this in this moment, and the 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 the, uh, the flow of this film just has the handbrake put on right now, and it basically turns into fifty shades of saint, doesn't it? It's fucking yeah. terrible. I don't know what this section of the film is at all. It needs to be taken out. But there's a moment, there's a line which, which stuck on me, I had to write it down. Elizabeth Shue, who I love dearly, and he's probably my first crush on this planet, and um, I love you forever, Elizabeth Shue, because of your work <laughs> in Adventures of Bader City. Um, she says this line with all the charisma she can muster for this 60, what did you say, 90 million pound? 90 million dollars? 90 million dollars, Turkey. She says, your work is very dangerous and alive. <laughs> and a part of me died, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I probably should have mentioned that. That was the other big thing in, in the pop scene. So um, Simon Templar is supposed to be this enigmatic, ambiguous figure that nobody, uh, unscrutable, you know? Like, um, that's, that's what he's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah. And yet... Um, he reads her because he's read around her apartment, but she reads him in like two seconds and yeah. he's like, oh shit, she's really seen me. <laughs> and you're like, what? Is nobody, like, how was it so simple? Like, oh God. <laughs> this is one of the movies why Elizabeth Shue quit acting and became a nurse, as we find out in Hamlet 2. <laughs> 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 Just for uh, just for listeners um, who might not be aware, that's that's a that's a gag from that movie. Um, yeah. Like um, Elizabeth Shue yeah. still acting and can yes. most recently be seen in The Boys. <laughs> <laughs> so he and they end up having sex basically uh, while drinking some more, and yeah, and he doesn't want to take her notes, but that's what I didn't get either. Is that he takes her notes and then takes a picture of them anyways, which I thought. You could just left the notes there, took the picture, and it would have been good. But yeah, he takes the notes, takes the picture, and then faxes them off to the the Russians, which then they find out that they don't actually they don't work, or they're all out of order, and the equations don't really lead up to anything. At face value, it looks like they would, but when kind of actually going through the equations itself, they do not. I'm- I've got to say, the seduction scene that we're talking about right here, this is an action espionage thriller. And the seduction scene that leads up to this moment where he, he sends these pictures off on the world's greatest digital camera, <laughs> by the way, takes six minutes. Yep. It's a seduction scene in an action film takes six minutes. I was bemused by that because, like I said, he just puts the handbrakes on the whole film. Yeah. And shifts it tonally, completely shifts it from what he, what he, I mean, it was struggling to be an action film at the best of times. But then you move to this. And like you say, this is obviously, like you were saying at the start, Scott, with the test audience saying we want more of the romance. So they've gone back and listened and they've ruined the film because yeah. you've got this six minutes of, you know, spoken in the monologue and, oh, will they, won't they? And then she's holding her heart because she's got heart problems and, and oh, God. At the end of it, I was like, just fucking move on. Come on, let's 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 take the handbrake off. Let's get going. Yeah. So we attempt to do that. 
as um, <laughs> after the scientists expressed doubt about the Formula 2 a van, um, basically, uh, Simon and uh, a van are, are like emailing back and forth. A uh, van is is got um, uh, somebody emailing for him while he um, lies on a couch and reads porn. Um, <laughs> just, just don't know why. <laughs> But anyway, that was a choice. Um, <laughs> and uh, Simon is, is is emailing away as well. And then Simon some at some point realizes that he's being tricked. He's just being kept on the line emailing while people track him down. And that's what exactly uh, Ilya and his goons, again, one of his goons played by Tommy Flanagan, <laughs> Glasgow's Tommy Flanagan. Very fam- <laughs> famous Russian actor Tommy Phillips. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got we've got um, we've got a track record uh, here, yeah. you know, because obviously, you know, uh, Sean Connery playing the. I think he's Lithuanian in the Hunt for the Red October. Is that yeah. correct? Um, yeah. So, like, um, yeah, Scottish people playing Eastern Europeans. That's, that's yeah. what we got. <laughs> uh, that that's what I'd be cast as. I, I'm sure I could do a kind of. A Russian accent like this. As <laughs> good as anybody else in the yeah. Film. yeah. Scott, 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 where have you gone, mate? We've got Russian interference. You, where are you, mate? You yeah. uh, Flawless, mate. Flawless, that one. Excellent. Um, so, so, yeah. so she finds out that he took everything. She goes to, you know, obviously the two really good police officers and Scott, the detectives in Scotland Yard <laughs> are basically like, was this one of the men? She's like, oh, yeah, I guess yeah, it looks like it. Oh, no, the, was... like the shootout, like um, the shootout oh, happens yes. before she's been interviewed by the police. Okay. So like um, Ilya goes to the house. They, 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 they have um, this like Simon escapes. Uh, Ilya shoots a police officer, which again, doesn't make sense because he does this in like the middle of like Oxford or whatever. And um, he is the son of a Russian like billionaire who's like a media figure. So that would yeah. definitely be in the papers, but I suppose we shouldn't scrutinize this too hard. No, <laughs> but uh, Simon is able to escape through the car and then they're about to chase after him with the car and maybe have a great kind of car chase scene, but no, the nah, cops are not. just there. So they're like, Oh, well, let's just go this way. <laughs> that's kind of, that's the end of it. <laughs> that's, you know, the running theme of the movie. <laughs> something really good cool is about to happen and then it doesn't <laughs> yes so again we'll we'll, we'll we'll speed up again uh, okay. a little bit um you were right next thing that happens yes. is emma being interviewed by the police it turns out that emma is smarter than the police because she works out in two seconds that all of simon's aliases are based on saints and they're like oh shit yeah and we've been working this case for two years and we, we haven't worked that out but yet you you are on to something lady uh, and, and they even she goes can you get me the records of a flight to all the flights to moscow so i could see who like on the flight would have a saint's name and they don't at any point think oh, we should do that too, because maybe we could get the jump on him. No, they're like, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, just take it, whatever. Outside of their jurisdiction. Yeah. They, can't, exactly. like, um, they can't be fucking about with that, you know? Yeah. Um, two minutes paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> and then after that, um, we cut to the rat club that has... <laughs> 
rat races, literal rat races. I like. I don't know if this is some sort of sly commentary on capitalism that I'm not. I'm not getting or something. But um, yeah, it, like, and and people bet on the rat races, and they got like little tubes on the wall. Um, but also, it seems to be a restaurant, and also it yep. seems to be a brothel. Yep. It's it, there's a lot going on, and there's a really good cameo that will pop up later. Well, not later in the movie, but in this season. There's in a, this scene. In this scene, yes. yes. Where there's a he cameo from David Schneider, who yeah. also cameos as a train engineer in uh, Mission Impossible. And all he does is he comes through the curtain, he's like, hey, and then that's it. <laughs> yeah, in, in, the, um, in the credits, he's credited as Rat Club Comedian, but it looks like he's about to do a magic trick before we yeah. cut away from him, <laughs> so that's kind of weird. Yeah. Oh dear! Talk about it. I I like in this scene that they've replaced all the plates that would have been of cocaine because this film is a twelve, and replaced it with plates of money because you know it's the same thing. (laughs) And and so he uh, he ends up getting held up by Simon because Simon is dressed as um, Ivan. Yeah, Ivan. And um, he says, you're going to put the money in my account or, you know, basically going to kill you. Ivan makes the phone call, puts the money in his account. And then Simon scurries off saying, oh, somebody is, there's an imposter. And so Ivan's own men think that he's the imposter as Simon's kind of able to slip out, do his thing. (laughs) Yep. Which is, um, I mean, he doesn't look like, like that like Ivan, you know. Like, uh, but anyway, yes, it, it was very, it was very. <laughs> I think he looks like, um, I think he looks like 2015 Jim Carrey, if I'm honest. <laughs> <laughs> that yes, yeah, that's a good shout. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! And um, again, Simon Templar, master thief, super sleuth, all round badass, found in roughly two seconds by. Emma Russell, eccentric scientist yes. in Moscow. <laughs> because so. there were two people named after saints, and one of them was a was a, a small a small woman or something. And then, um, so obviously it had to be him. So that was it. <laughs> and because he looks exactly like all the other parts, <laughs> that too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! But um, this like uh, so Emma looks really smart for about two seconds until um she's like now you can arrest them and uh, she immediately gets arrested as well because Russia in this film is totally corrupt and run apparently by a van he um he runs the deep <laughs> state. <laughs> the thing about her is she's not. So he steals her codes, all this stuff, and then she's still not even. They don't set up that dynamic that she's mad at him, and then they have to work together, and there's the tension or any of that stuff that could then maybe make the romance or maybe make anything with the movie more, you know, the exciting. I guess in that sense, it's like she's just basically, oh, I would have given you the codes if you asked, or I would have given you the equations, and still just like smitten with him, even when he sees her, he's kind of happy not like oh i'm sorry for what i did it's like oh, oh yeah no he, lo- he looks uh, 
permanently uh, smug and unperturbed by everything that happens, yeah. even when he's regularly beaten up or captured. It's yeah. uh, it's, just, it's one of his fun quirks. So they get captured, and then they're put in the back of a police van. But unfortunately, so they're not watched. They're just it's just assumed they're probably going to stay in there. And she starts having heart issues, and he was able to snag some of her pills. So she takes the pills by him turning and kind of putting his hand out and her eating him out of his hand. And then she take, is able to get his knife. But again, in the theme with this movie, we are unable to see the actual escape. It's just by the time they get there, they're gone or they're out of the truck i mean i <laughs> the, don't know about you i didn't i didn't need to see the escape yeah, no. that moment of innuendo in the back of the van i was just like whoa i'm burning up here with all that sexual chemistry oh god <laughs> <laughs> that's basically how this movie then shifts it's like oh they just take out all of the potential heist yeah. stuff or anything and they're like let's just kind of make this erotic thriller yeah, that's that, that's true. Uh, so we should maybe mention what what happens. Uh, basically, after um, she she eats the, the the heart tablets or the palm of his hand, she is on her knees, and then um, like Valkymer raises his eyebrow and is like, oh, "Since you're down there," uh, and then it's like, "Oh, actually, get the knife out my boot," and you're like, yeah. oh, "I see what you did there, maybe." Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, classic. I I wonder who wrote that classic line, whether it was Wesley Strick or Jonathan Hensley. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, moving on. Uh, yeah. Craig, what happens next? Uh, they find out that they're not there. They're like, oh, go looking for them. And then, again, all of this is in English, even though it's just all Russian people speaking to each other. And... So it goes into one of those classic spy elements where they're running down the street, the cops or somebody is coming and they think, well, let's just act like we're a couple kissing, even though the cops that wouldn't technically claim innocence, like in other movies, like in, you know, either Mission Impossible or whatever, many other films where they're like, oh, let's not mind these two kissing people. It's like, oh, they are a couple. There's a man and a woman who are in the general vicinity kissing that's probably them then because that would make log- logical sense but no, if you they... are on the run with a woman <laughs> and you do drag her into an alley and start making out with her you become invisible that yes. is what movies <laughs> has told me and so they do that but it's <laughs> instead of the fake like the where they're just kind of fake necking or whatever it may be they're kissing and then they just for a long it feels like a good couple minutes, they're then just kind of talking and kissing. It, it does like, because like yeah. there's there's various kind of uh, like platoons of like police people like going yeah. back and forth. So there's like several units go by <laughs> of like there's like one unit goes by and they're kissing, and then it's like oh like looks like it's safe. Oh no, and and it's like oh no, there's another unit, one more kissing, and it's like oh okay. This yeah. this is uh, dragged out lo- longer yeah. than this bit is usually in, in most spy movies, <laughs> and it feels like at some point there's not even any cops anymore. He's just probably keeps doing it. Oh, there's yeah, there's some cops coming. Let's just, let's <laughs> <go on>. <laughs> 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 
Yeah, I definitely saw some Russian gangsters I, at the I side of my see... eye. Let's let's keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> I think that seems really out of place because if they were in Paris, yeah, you could go. Okay, there's a couple kids and it's the city of, and it's Paris, and it's all there in London. You can, but the way this film has set up Moscow to be this totalitarian. You wouldn't be kissing on a street. You know, native Russian people would not be kissing under the arches of a of a bridge, knowing full well there's platoons running by. So it sort of doesn't. I'm I'm digging real deep on this. I know, but <laughs> it doesn't fit with that, that whole you know ethos that they've built around Moscow. Yeah. So they'd be shot. They wouldn't even, they wouldn't even be captured. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. And it, so yeah, that's but... probably what the the thing that we haven't really mentioned, like. Um... So this movie, again, of the many movies that this movie wants to be, one of them is like a political thriller where we're kind of investigating where Russia was at in the 90s um, in its transition from communism to capitalism and how the kind of oligarchs rules and like it's presented in this way that basically there it's, uh, you know, it's, on the brink of basically a second Russian revolution in this yes. movie. That's that's how it's presented, that it, it's got to such a febrile uh, kind of state that, that that's that's where we are. So um, it could boil over at any second. And, yep. um, so, yeah, you're right. You know, uh, you're clear, black couple kissing are clearly not going to be natives to Moscow. Yeah, and a, yeah, that's a dark kind of dingy tunnel. Yeah, it's, it doesn't really, yeah. You're right, Wayne, about that it not fitting, but also this. So the this Mos- nice places, yeah. <laughs> so this Moscow too. They don't have for the last what you're assuming couple of years. There really, there's been an oil shortage, and so there's yeah. They don't really have any heat, and this is in winter in Moscow, and so people are freezing to death, and so there's kind of this huge uproar in that sense as well which we don't really explore like there's a kind of these things that are kind of thrown up of, of kind of like because there, there's kind of beats of the movie where it's like oh this could be an almost interesting political thriller kind of um exploring that that whole situation of like how these all of these kind of former communists became like billionaires like uh and the the, the rise of you know the rise of the oligarchs and that that, that kind of stuff but yeah it's uh no, it doesn't really explore it to any extent other than just kind of mentioning this is happening. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, it's a, it's a very strange movie and that's in all senses <laughs> like out. And I know I'll keep hashing <laughs> on it and I know yeah, all of us will, but while you're watching it, you just, you can't, you can, nor- there's so many movies, especially in this podcast where you can go, okay, it was trying to do this, but it may have failed, or it was trying to do this and this to combine and whatever. Where this one specifically, you're just watching and almost in awe of like, what is it actually trying to be? What is it trying to do here? It's because- kind of trying to be like a, a one last job heist movie. It's kind of trying to be like a James Bond style spy movie. And it's kind of trying to be a uh, kind of more complex political kind of John le Carre spy thriller and it's also trying to be an erotic thriller yes and then a light-hearted caper too yeah and some elements too yeah yeah like a kind of I don't know like a north by northwest yes 
I mean, although like mentioning this film in North by Northwest <laughs> in the same breath, it's probably <laughs> I'll probably be struck down. I, 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 was, I was thinking, uh, I was, I was North by Northwest was not one of them. <laughs> yeah. to catch a thief, uh, you know. Yeah, but oh. I. I do like these plots that we just gave up on, I feel like, in, in cinema anymore. Because if you mention anything about saving the world or climate change or anything, in that sense, you are going, you know you're going to have different parties battling it out. But there was like this period where it's like, oh, the, the big solution here is that there's a device that can potentially get rid of all oil and cold fusion you would never need to worry about. You know, you could you could save the environment. You could not have to worry about fossil fuels, all this stuff. And there were so many movies that kind of had those plots. And then we just, I think, as a society, we're like, okay, we're not going to talk about that anymore. Let's just. Well, yeah, because like I don't remember, like you know, I was very young at the time, but I don't remember this film being like controversial in any way. No. In the same way that some environmentally themed action movies, a la Mad Max Fury Road, you know, like seem yeah. to annoy people um you know exactly yeah well it's just, i suppose like twitter hadn't been invented so that, that was probably <laughs> a big factor there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh moving on with the story uh wayne can you uh pick up the plot yeah so um after this rendezvous under the arches and kissing for no apparent reason in front of soldiers uh they, they move uh uh, where she realizes, uh, where Emma realizes that the saint is a no good capitalist who wants to sell her cold fusion for millions of dollars. And uh, as she runs off through the, the train station, they realize they're being hunted by um, Ilya's men. Uh, is it Ilya? I can't, I've lost his name. Ilya, yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, yes. uh, oh, sorry, Ivan's men. Yeah, no, they're, they're yeah, being hunted well, by Ilya. Like, uh, kind Ivan's, of the two Ivan's, guns, yeah. the, the two guns that are kind of following them seem to be attached to Ilya. I mean, I suppose it, it, they're all of Anne's men, but like, yeah. Yeah. So they escape. This is one of the scenes of the film. I actually remember this. They escape mm. to um, the river in Moscow. And this is one of those moments in a film where you, if you just stand still, you're not going to get caught. But it's a cat and mouse thing where the Saint and Emma are running across the like icy edge of the river. And... Ilya and his men are checking doors on the riverbank and running across like the the edge, and at some point, Emma drops her heart pills, and the saint ever so chivalrously leans over the water to to get them and falls in, and has to dive under the water so he's not seen by um, Ilya. Of course, then Ilya just gives up on the idea that he's got a hunch that, that something's going on down there, and they get in the car and drive away. The saint comes out the water totally soaked and um freezing and they uh head off towards some sort of um maisonettes flats or flats some se some settlement with some oceans yep. and we get one of the most uh 1997 moments of the film of uh, a 12 but not being really much that right so this uh, russian this block of flats and once again, as as Craig and, and Scott have said all the way through this, English, no no Russian needed at all. Everybody in this block of fats speaks, which is incredible, you know, because it's yeah. Uh, and this 
they, I suppose, it's sort of like a hold. And Emma to a priest hold away from Ilya's men, so they need. And the saint is, you know, he's, he's on the verge of hypo. Emma strips him off, and she strips him off. And using her body, he she she brings him from the brink of, uh, of I suppose, a hypothermic coma. Um, I mean, I'm never gonna say no to a bit of Elizabeth shoe flesh. Just my um, love for this lady. Yeah. Can you guys still hear me, or am I completely talking to myself? I, I, no, no, no. I, I can, we can still, we can still hear you. I, I definitely heard, you know, up to the yeah. like. You, you never uh, turned down uh, like, <laughs> Elizabeth Shue yeah. thing. <laughs> 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 but no, I, I do yeah. think this, this is a kind of one of the the most hilarious moments in the film in terms of like you said earlier, you know, about um, incredulous moments in this movie and. Um, yeah, if somebody's having hypothermia, you know, like you, I mean, yeah, she did the first part, right? Of like you get the wet clothes off them, but then you swaddle them in dry blankets, warm. And if they can, if they can <laughs> drink warm liquids, then you know, like if they're they're conscious enough, then you can get some warm liquid into them. Um, you do that too. You don't just take your top off and cuddle them. But that's why I don't know. I mean, this I I have to disagree with you. Scott, because I think this no, this dealt with cold fusion, so there's a lot of science behind this movie. There is a lot of science behind this movie, so maybe Elizabeth Shue knows around this. I mean, I've seen like a lot of um action movies where there's been a lot of uh, flimsy excuses um to get um warm female characters in a state of undress, but this is one of the flimsiest, so so they end up being. Um, basically an old Russian woman, again, as Wayne has pointed out, or any of us have now multiple times, who speaks English. (laughs) She sees them, yells that the Americans are in here, so the whole kind of hideout aspect doesn't really work. And they then, they quickly rush out. He gets on some new clothes because he's perfectly fine now, apparently, after only a couple minutes. And then they rush yep. up yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, yeah yeah they run up to the the top of the building and then they don't she want is the one that actually wants to jump and he is like uh no let's not do that and he he stops from jumping because he has that like again it, this is one of the few points oh, yeah. in the movie where the the start of the movie ties into it and his tragic backstory ties into it because he has a flashback to seeing agnes dead and yet well maybe it's because emma is with him but he fell from a much higher distance yeah i did think (laughs) at the beginning of the movie movie. yeah Yeah, yes but then i thought like trying to give the movie some kudos i thought like oh maybe it's because like he loves this woman he he loved agnes a child love you know like and and that is that is what's uh triggered that um uh, but yeah but anyway, let's move on to more of this movie's weirdness. Because so yeah. they climbed down, uh, like instead they climbed down a vent, yeah. uh, down into the sewer, and then there is a sewer tour guide called Frankie, <laughs> who acts as if she kind of knows Simon, but then doesn't actually know Simon. What is this character? Wow. She, <laughs> so she thinks, originally, it's like, oh, you're here to buy it's like an underground black market art 
exhibit or she's like oh you're here to buy the art and then he goes in there saying no we don't want your art we want the maps or something and, yeah. and that's that's basically her the character it's like they build up this whole thing with her that oh maybe she's going to be leading some underground i don't know revolutionary thing maybe it's going to be whatever else it could possibly be she's like oh no i have the maps okay if you pay me i'll kind of show you how to get to the u.s embassy and then that's basically she pops up later on which we'll get to but that's basically it for her she takes them to the one air the like one vent and says okay well you have about five minutes before the water comes flushing in there give or take like what what do you mean give or take give or take a few minutes and like okay and that's it (laughs) she does play a bit more of a role in the finale of the original cut not much more of a role it's still a very strange random character like what you see you you think she's like the because she's you're wearing like a a red cap as all uh, leftist revolutionary leaders wear. Um, And you you think she's got like a kind of faction going or something like that. But no, she's just like like selling black market art in a sewer with with her um, uh, one sidekick. Like I, I don't, it's, I'm very confused by this whole character. I I don't understand what's going on. Yeah, so so they open up, or well, they don't even open up the lid. He opens it up with his special, I don't even know what, I don't know if we've even mentioned it yet, his like lock pick that can do everything, his little gadget. He welds it open, or he like burns it open. They go in and then they hear noise from the following people and they're like, oh, somebody's coming. And then they just kind of shut it. And then it shows... Simon and Emma walking through the sewer to the different openings. But unfortunately, the opening that they did need to get to is shut. So they have to go back. And that's, yeah. <laughs> As the water is about to rush, they are able to get out and to this, what the one of the other latches, but they still end up right in front of the embassy. Yes. Which doesn't make any sense. Because I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they still up, uh, end up exactly where they wanted to end up. Um, just apparently slightly less close to the U.S. Embassy than um, than they wanted to be. But uh, anyway, um, he basically says, oh, like, um, if you can run into the U.S. Embassy, because at this stage... Like um, Moscow is is basically on the brink of revolution, as 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 we mentioned, and everybody's scared. And uh, the U.S. embassy is taking in all American citizens because uh, the Russians are taking it against the the Americans, and it's all kicking off. Um, so he says, "Oh, the U.S. embassy. The U.S. embassy is just over there. It's about hundred yards. You can run that in ten seconds, which is." Um, generous i feel i feel like that's uh pretty that's, that's pretty fine that's like an ath- athlete's pace i think <laughs> yeah <laughs> but anyway yeah incredible uh, she can do that with a dodgy heart <laughs> well it turns out she might not have a dodgy heart it turns out it might just be an anxiety because like, like like when she gets into the u.s embassy she's like i've not taken my heart pills in a while oh it seemed to be all right it's and so yeah, she starts running. He then makes sure to get himself caught. 
to which then he makes another offer saying, I know your dad is hiding billions of dollars and I know how it, where it's all at and we can split it, you and I, but the son is kind of, he's not going to buy it. He's just going to kill him. And it comes with the other, I guess the other line I took from this whole movie was you can't come to Russia without playing Russian roulette. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because he's putting <laughs> one bullet in there and there's what us embassy soldiers. There's people all around. He's literally like in the middle of the street. They're just holding him down, pointing this gun at him, playing this game. And nobody is saying anything, I guess, because it's, I mean, he up. machine gunned down a police officer yes. in the streets of Oxford, um, like earlier on in the movie. So, <laughs> yeah. And so he does it. He's about to fire again and says, but are you, you're going to, or, you know, tell me where this money is at. He's like, I know, but I'm not going to tell you or something. He lights it up. The car blows up. And again, just like how Wayne was mentioning with the flash grenade, this the car is kind of a far enough distance away, but it only seems to hurt. Um, Ilya. Hit. Yeah, Ilya. It doesn't even hurt his men or anything that you can really tell. It doesn't hurt Simon. And Simon just kind of rushes off. Yes. Oh, he, he rushes off, but he has enough time to stop and uh, turn for a loving glance to, to Emma um, yeah. before then rushing off again. Yeah. And she is protected by uh, the only person of color in this movie who has the lines basically of stand back, sir. I said stand back because he's the soldier. He says that to Ilya and then I don't know. He seems nice enough to her later on, but that's his entire role. <laughs> but um, but yeah, he puts Ilya in his place. Uh, one yes. of the two people that put Ilya in his place. So that's 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 pretty entertaining. Yeah. But then they say to each other too during that point that there's the whole you found, which is supposed to have you know more meaning because of the romance or whatever of. Well, how will you find me? I'll find, or how will we meet again? Well, I'll find you because you found me, and then that's repeated about four times or more. <laughs> it's just right up there with Casablanca, isn't it? Though, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? it's just absolutely. lines from your history. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> so we've compared this uh, this movie to North by Northwest <laughs> yes. and Casablanca. Uh, yes, so <laughs> it's, it's very good. Yes. Um, so, oh, this this is interesting. So, see when um, we see the after effect of Elia's injuries. Um, so he's like half his face has been scorched. And he's um, he's getting all kind of um, he's getting seen to it by a doctor. Um, again, some very interesting production design choices of this movie. Because like when he's getting, he's in like a kind of doctor's chair, but he's in the headquarters of a van's mansion. Um, and um, while he's in the doctor's chair, he's in this room um, that also has an arcade machine where somebody is playing on the arcade machine. And for some reason, a massive Ku Klux Klan poster. Well, I think I it's one of those. This. Yeah. Wow. It's one of those things where they're like, they're just... Maybe they want to make sure the audience knows that they're evil. <laughs> I, it's one of those elements. Like, 
Oh, you might have been not known for sure up until this point of who the bad guys were, but trust us. He, these are really bad guys. But in the previous scene, yeah, in the previous scene, he shot a man in the chest at point blank range for telling a bad joke. Yeah. So we know they're bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that that is true. That is true. I we, we didn't mention that that he uh, like Ilya doesn't like sarcasm and just shot a man for sarcasm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I'm pretty sure we're already convinced they're evil at this point. Well, I don't know. I really needed to see the Kutlas land poster to know for sure. The clan poster is what put over the top for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, are, now are we I... sure they're bad guys? Can you imagine yeah. the production meeting? <laughs> Can you just imagine the production meeting. Are we sure they're bad guys? Well, let's throw in some Third Reich, uh, you know, right wing memorabilia, so we just know they're bad guys. Yeah, yeah just do that. Yeah. So the audience is watching going, oh, okay, now we know we're supposed to be rooting for Simon. God, <laughs> you didn't. I, gee. Oh, I was yeah. following I, Ivan the whole time. Yeah, but like, it doesn't even make, like, if they wanted to do that, you know, you'd think they would just have something like, oh, he has like a portrait of Stalin on his wall or something. Yeah. It seems so odd that a Russian billionaire villain had like collects clan posters. Yeah. <laughs> it's so <laughs> moving forward, what we end up Yeah, find... we can't we can't yeah. uh, we can't go any further yeah. with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What we end up finding out is that <laughs> the the doctor that he's hired, kind of the professor says that the cold fusion does not actually work. This is what we kind of learned earlier on that at face value, it seems like it could, but once you get down into it, it doesn't. And Ivan is really upset about that and saying, well, what have I been paying you for all this money? But he says, no, wait, we can actually use that because we can make the the now current president pay us for it and we'll say it actually works. So then when it doesn't work, then we can... Um, use that against him and staging our coup of that well he just wasted all this money on this research that didn't work well people are starving and they're freezing to death and everything else so and simon knows about that because he dressed as a russian maid who apparently wears the hat and everything and again nobody it's like oh i guess there's just this random house cleaner in here yeah. <laughs> right now during this very you know, secretive meeting that we're doing. <laughs> Which nobody oh, pays attention thanks. to because like in this in this meeting you've got various uh Russian military generals, yes. Anavan and his, his son Ilya, and Ilya is again again probably the smartest person in this film, is the only person who questions like What's a maid doing that? That's a bit odd. You know, like <laughs> the only person who glances at the maid, who pays attention to the maid, who seems to realize it is probably Simon Templar. Yeah. <laughs> but he's been burnt a little bit, so he doesn't he doesn't fight it enough. <laughs> right. Yeah, now. he kind of passes it over this kind of like, oh, maybe I'm just uh, imagining things. Which which maybe if it's stuck with the original ending and him turning on his father that would make more sense i guess I if guess. why he would not pursue it more or but i don't that's us giving too much into the movie <laughs> so 
uh, and kind of in between, yeah, just uh, just after this, um, he visits uh, Emma, um, and he's doing his his tombstone accents. He's yes. like he's he's doing like a a kind of a southern <laughs> thing. He's like a southern FBI agent or something, and um, and he uh, drops off the. Um, we we're kind of cutting between things of like uh, yeah. So we see um, Ivan like. Uh, uh, selling it to the Russian president, the the, the coal fusion, and um, uh, Simon dropping off the kind of last piece of the the, the equation. Um, like um, yeah, getting getting the, like and talking to her as the southern the southern guy and getting the kind of last piece of the equation. Yes, and and he sneaks it over to the the professor, and says, you know, that he needs a miracle. And this is another part where she. Oh yeah, this is where Frankie yeah. turns up again as well because he yeah. gets this schematics of the the presidential palace from from Frankie. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a lot happens in this where it's like him setting up all these, as you were saying, all these pieces. But he says to the the professor, "Well, we need a miracle because to be a saint, you need to have three miracles," which comes into the movie. Um, and you have 12 hours and here's the cold fusion the final piece of the puzzle to make cold fusion and yeah it's basically all these lineups you have him and emma having this whole kind of relationship where it seems like she wants to know him more but she said she does know him and she doesn't mind that he does changes or he changes his name constantly or doesn't have a name and but then she's upset about i don't know actually <laughs> <laughs> I watched this whole part. I, some, something's happening here to move the movie to the end, to the credits. <laughs> the wheels are in motion um, for the finale, um, uh, which is not the uh, big fiery finale that we talked about right at the start of the episode. Something very different indeed. Um, and much more disappointing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> But uh, you know, we we move on. We get the schematics uh, from Frankie, who again um, I need further explanation on her character, which I will never get. Um, the, anyway, we get to the presidential palace, and um, it, one of the interesting things about Simon Templar in this movie is he doesn't really um, he's he doesn't really kill people. Um, he doesn't really do much actiony stuff. <laughs> like he just like uh, and he's mainly it's weird he's presented this is a weird thing about simon templar in this film he's presented as if he's like james bonds but then when you actually watch the actions and stuff and the amount of times he gets captured and beaten up he's he's more like he's sam spade it's just <laughs> it, it's it's a weird clash of presentation versus actual what is happening on the screen yeah but um, yeah, the other thing is he doesn't he doesn't really kill people in the, in this movie. And even when he gets the chance to to kill one of the guards, um, he he's like, no, I've got the code of honor. So he just uh, knocks him out with a chandelier, which um, may or may not have you know killed him anyway. Um, <laughs> but you know, this being a twelve, he's probably just knocked out. You know, and again, like in all spy movies, if somebody is like good or quote-unquote innocent <laughs> then they don't die you know because like 
you know, James Bond can run over a police car with a tank and the two police officers will, you know, uh, get out and brush themselves off. That's that's how these things work. Um, yes. <laughs> that's all I, yeah. Anyway, he moves on. Um, he manages to break into the president's, uh, like, bedroom and um, yeah, give the president the scoop and, and be like, you know what, um, what, what I've accused you of, just agree to it and, um, yeah. you know, it'll all work out. And the Prez is impressed and he's like, okay, seems yeah. convincing to me. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he, he's a very trusting president, especially for somebody that just broke in and has been shot at by his soldiers. <laughs> It, it doesn't take much, much, much convincing at all. <laughs> well, you've very easily convinced in the cold fusion too. Yes. It was like, yeah, okay. Um, yeah. I wasn't sure about giving you 10 billion, but now actually I know I've thought about it for two seconds because you were just about to walk out the room. I now I'm convinced to give you 10 million, 10 billion. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I'm going to fold into your bluff. <laughs> very easily. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the bit I love with with Val Kilmer uh, mm-hmm. with the saint breaking into the president's um, bedroom is, I mean Russia have got such a lovely warm relationship with Westerners, haven't they? And they're so trusting of us. So of course <laughs> you're going to believe everything he says straight off the bat. You know he's just broke in there, through all your guards and just give you this spiel on something, and you're just going to just going to swallow it wholesale because that's yeah. exactly what the Russia are. Been... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, everybody knows about the special relationship between America and Russia. <laughs> yeah. Wait, I thought we were all just <laughs> two friendly superpower countries that got along perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a long, long, long history of just being good old buddies. Yeah. With nothing boiling under under the surface at all. Nothing, nothing, <laughs> yeah. nothing at all. No, no. <laughs> oh dear. So they get put up kind of in a, a trial where they're going to be, yeah, um, basically executed or whatever in, in the public square. And again, this is a big kind of Russian broadcast and Ivan is saying it in English and you know he's talking about the president gave all of the money into this cold fusion and it doesn't even work and the president agrees with Simon and so he goes yes I admit to it and I I back it I you know still to this day or whatever and they're going to it looks like it's not even going to work. And then the button is pressed and the cold fusion does work. Dun, dun, dun. And again, oh. this is one of the, the movie's many kind of half-hearted attempts at kind of being political because like what we're getting is like uh, a media savvy 90s update of like old school communist show, show trials. And yeah. but it's like so it's like, oh, we know our history, kind of. But also don't care about this because action is maybe kind of we're threatening action is going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, take us, take us to the finale, Craig. Okay. So 
Yes. So then since apparently it does work now, everybody knows that Ivan is a criminal, even though it's not really set. Anybody could have just been like, oh, it doesn't even work, you know, to oppose it. But apparently that just proves he's a criminal. And so he is arrested. Same with Ilya. And they are then to be what you assume to be tried and put away. And, you know, you have all the Russian people so excited. You get to see Emma and the soldier are happy about it. And everybody's kind of congratulating her. And so during that time, we go to that, you know, he ends up finding Emma. Simon ends up finding Emma and they kind of have this romantic meetup again. And he tells her his real name and that he wants her to say, I love you. She says, I love you. And he says, say, I love you, Simon, basically. And she says, uh, and he's all happy about it, but he can never have a normal life. She's fine with that, but she's going to, there's something she has to do to, so they can be completely free. And that is give cold fusion to all of the world, which she's going to go tell at a, basically a big media press conference in England at Oxford again. And she goes to do it. And before he, or she is about to, he comes up to her again and more romance stuff of her, him saying, you should do it. And then they're all excited, I guess. (laughs) So, yeah. So she's given the, about to give the speech. And again, she sees the old, the character where he played like the old um, British reporter and he, the, that character sits down next to the detective who apparently has no idea, even though I believe that version of that character already popped up in their photographs before. Are there stencil drawings? I think so. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, he doesn't think anything about it. Even though he's been chasing this man for so long, you've seen him. years, apparently. Yeah. He knows the eyes, the jaws, everything. He sits down right next to him. They even have a nice, lovely conversation. And then it is until the other detective is like, it's it's him. It's him. But by the time he turns, um, Simon has vanished and they chase him through. They tackle the wrong person. And he gets to see Simon, who kind of gives him a little wink, driving off in a car. And during that time, you find out that it's basically an exposition wrap-up, where there's a news report that talks about Ivan being arrested and also about all the oil that he was holding underneath his mansion, which I know comes up in the original ending, but it's not in this one. And that... Simon even was able to sneak into Yvonne's accounts and donate a lot of money to charities on Yvonne's behalf and also anonymously set up a whole um, Cold Fusion Research Foundation, basically. And that is it. And we should mention, um, before we we kind of close close the book on it, um, that that news report on the radio is read out um, by 
the 1960s saints, um, who I just thought of as being the original saint, but found out that no, not so much. Um, Roger Moore um, is uh, reads out that, and um, so that's a cameo tying it back into the 60s series, and pretty much the only way it ties back into the 60s. Series. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. So, um, before we head out on out on this one, um, do both of you want to give kind of your your kind of final thoughts on the movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wait, final thoughts on the movie? <laughs> Just yeah. Um, I'd like to say to seventeen-year-old, you're a fucking idiot. You like this film? What's wrong with you? Um, and. My my final note on this film. I made sixty notes on this film, and yep. my final note is yes, the end, <laughs> which I think is my absolute um, final thought on this film. It's just a mess. Yep. It's a complete car car crash of a film, you know. And to be fair to, uh, I mean, I've I've ripped Elizabeth Shue and I've ripped Val Kilmer and New Arsehole right the way through this, but they're bringing at least a bit of charisma. At least they're yeah. trying their artist. At least they're trying to, you know, bring a bit of spirit to this film because everybody else involved. And to be fair, Ilya as well is a decent threat, but it's just, you know, tonally it's all over the place, and it's just one of those films. You, it went for a minute going, "What the fucking hell did I just watch?" Because that <laughs> that's not the film I remember. Well, I don't remember the film. <laughs> um. No, I mean, I agree. I, I agree with that. I think, yeah, I I think there's parts where Elizabeth Shue kind of loses some of that, that quirkiness or that eccentric behavior she had in the beginning, which I actually enjoyed. I thought that would be mm. kind of more, in, I don't know, I if there was more of a tension or between them, not necessarily, not, you know, obviously there's a straight sexual tension and that was it. But if there was kind of more of a, give and take or something maybe it would have created more dynamics i the accents are bad and the, these characters here play, he's playing are kind of going to borderline like just stereotype you know you know german stereotype whatever spanish stereotype whatever it may be um but no i agree with like val kilmer and elizabeth Shue, or at least charismatic and no to me my biggest issue is that there's so many of these movies again throughout this podcast or whatever that you watch you're like oh well if they just would have kept going in this direction they could have done something really neat with it or which this one it's because it's trying so many different things it's such a kind of muddled mess there wasn't one element that i could hold on to of saying oh if they just would have kept it in this like they did in this scenes particularly it would have been great like every single scene, it seems like mm. for every for every part that has something decent, like at the same exact time, there's something that then works against it. So it's it, yeah, it's kind of it's interesting. As that, and as I said, it's one that had me kind of shaking my head of like, is this really happening the whole time? <laughs> <laughs> I I very much feel the same way. I like in 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 kind of. Uh, chiming with uh, both you guys of like you know as much as the the romance can drag um at certain points in the movie 
um, Elizabeth Shue and Val Kilmer are, are the best things in the movie. Yet Val Kilmer's accents are often terrible, but like he is uh, charismatic and I love his smug faces throughout. And, um, you know, there is a, a genuine kind of uh, sexual tension between him and Elizabeth Shue. There's, there's real sexual chemistry. And as we've kind of talked about before on this podcast, that's actually relatively rare for an action hero because like lots of action heroes, be it Stallone or Schwarzenegger or Seagal or a lot of these guys um, or like more, more modern ones like Vin Diesel never have any sexual chemistry with any of their leading ladies. Um, you know, so, yeah, so kudos on that. <laughs> um, uh, so, so, so there's that. And, it's an oddly watchable film. Even though it kind of fails at everything it's doing, it does not have enough action to be a spy action adventure. It does not have enough depth to be a political thriller. It doesn't have enough gags to be the crime caper it wants to be sometimes. I, like, you know, it seems to fail in all directions. But yet, yeah, because it's such a mess, it is oddly watchable. And yeah. some of the... Uh, decision making in terms of of production design and stuff like that is like so wacky um, that you, uh, it, it keeps you kind of uh, kind of just like well baffled and but also kind of watched uh, watching and entertained in in some way like you know like you know what like I, again I'll I'll keep bringing it up who is the character of Frankie why is she <laughs> selling underground art in a sewer like. Who set up this rat club that serves dishes of money and is also a brothel? Um, you know, like, what is going on? Um, why do people have clan posters? You know, all these things. You know, <laughs> the, 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 these are the things that kept me entertained uh, throughout throughout the movie. And some of the movies we've covered that are just kind of bad movies and we're just kind of going like, well, yeah, this didn't work, that didn't work. Um, at least um, this is, is a mess in such a weird way that I was kind of entertained throughout, despite <laughs> it clearly not being a good movie in any way. Yeah. No, I, so I, I would, yeah, no, I mean, we kind of all agree, but I would say thinking about it as you know, you were just talking, Scott, I think what would almost have made it work is, you know, you have something like mission Impossible in the direction it went, where mm. if you just almost did a tongue-in-cheek again, where you just made it so, where you, oh, what would have happened in the, so in the 90s, you know, you had stuff like, this is a comedy, but the Brady Bunch movie or the Adams Family movie, where it kind of added adult themes and it kind of, you know, poked fun, the Brady Bunch movie, it poked fun at the TV show while kind of honoring it. And so I wonder if it just kind of embraced it's silliness more or embraced all of Possibly. that stuff more. Maybe it yeah. could have been something that would be really fun, but I'm sure at that time studios didn't want to put a lot of money into something that would have been, you know, basically a parody of a, <laughs> I, well, I was very can... conscious of the fact that this film came out in the same year as Austin Powers. Like that was a, a was a thought that kept coming back to me, you know, because like it it sometimes it does seem like a parody or a spoof. Yes. Yeah, I I wonder if it's if if the Saints really is suffering with that fatigue that happened at that point. You know, you, you had so many of the sixties revival and um 
nostalgia trips that were coming through. You know, Mission Impossible, Dad and Son, like you say. The Man yeah. from Uncle, which wasn't made for another 10, 15 years, but the script was around in Hollywood at that time. I'm sure the script was around from like 95 before it landed on Guy Ritchie's table, like many years later. You know, mm-hmm. as well as as well as stuff like you know, you had uh, Lost in Space. You know, that yeah. was a sixty revival. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 yeah. They they redid the Prisoner, um, the the sixties TV show. They did that with Jim Caviezel. You know, that's right. I remember that. Well, I mean, nobody cared about the Avengers being remade, <laughs> but they did it anyway. It feels like a bandwagon moment, doesn't it? You know, what? well, Tom Cruise has come out and done Mission Impossible and they made a fuck ton of money and that film was a bit of a mess. And it just feels like they just went out and whatever intellectual property they could get their hands on and push out as fast as everybody else they did. And I don't think they really understood, like, you, like you've said, like you've alluded to, Scott, I don't think they really got to the bones of what the saint is and the history of the saint. They just come up with a clever story and and it was too clever for its own good if we're honest you know it was there's some heavy like you say there's some heavy themes in there and it's not one thing or the other it's all of them in a blender and it's all thrown at the wall and whatever sticks to the wall is what you get that's that's sort of how i feel about the film yeah absolutely and um you know like you're saying about like them not really kind of getting to the nitty-gritty of like what the saints about um uh, I was reading in the the IMDb trivia, and it was also on, you know, like um, that. Uh, apparently, Val Kilmer uh, met Roger Moore at Cannes, and kind of said to him, "Oh well, we messed that up then, didn't we?" And he kind of Roger Moore was like, "Oh, trying to clarify," and he's like, "You know," and then he was like, "Oh well, talking about the film," and um, he was like, uh, "Roger Moore was like, what do you mean?" And um, basically. Uh, Val Kilmer said, oh, well, after we wrapped, you know, I went back and read some of the stories and there's some real good stories there. And um, yeah, so it's a, so in retrospect, Val was uh, obviously less than impressed. <laughs> Brilliant. So you, you're dealing with an intellectual property you don't understand. It's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> but I mean, like, I can see why they probably thought they had a home run. You know, I, I Elizabeth Shoes, like um, only a couple years after, like um, leaving Las Vegas. Yep. You know, Val Kilmer is still kind of hot. Um, yeah. You know, Philip Noyce. Um, you know, he had uh, just a couple years before um, done like Clear and Present Danger. So he done like a you know two Jack Ryan films. So that seems kind of cool. I mean, they've got um, uh, Philip. Mahu, um, who was the cinematographer on uh, Goldeneye. They've also got uh, Terry Rollins, who was uh, the uh, editor on Goldeneye. You know, like it all seems like they've got like a, a kind of all-star team together. Um, but it's just like, eh, <laughs> didn't work out. Yeah. Mm. Oh, one last trend. thing I do want to mention before we really close the book on this on this episode. Um, we've talked a little bit about it before. Um, about kind of hip 90s soundtracks of, <laughs> of movies um, oh. that don't need to have a hip soundtrack. Now, this is a big um, action-adventure <laughs> uh, spy blockbuster, uh, which is not, you know, not something you necessarily associate with having a hip soundtrack, you know, that that kind of thing. You, you know, it's usually more mainstream. Um, but uh, I just want to read out some of the, the acts now, there's some big acts on the soundtrack. So you've got the likes of David Bowie. You've got the likes of Duran Duran. But also, and this doesn't make sense because it's a Hollywood picture, 
is you've just got like loads of dance acts who are like popular in the UK at the time. You know, like, so you've got Orbital, you've got the Sneaker Pimps, you've got uh, Dread Zone, you've got, uh, yeah. you've got Daft Punk, who were not popular in the States for about uh, eight or nine years after this film came out. Um, you got Underworld, you got the Chemical Brothers. Um, even Moby is probably bigger in the UK at this point than he is in the US. Yeah. You know, like, uh, um, and then other kind of acts like Everything But The Girl and Luscious Jackson, who are kind of like, you know, again, kind of cult acts. It's a very interesting soundtrack. Yeah, I, I just, as you said, it, my, my, th my note 31 is, um, is where the car chase happens. Um, in Oxford, and I put. Mm -hmm. I suddenly. I, this is this is exactly as I wrote it. I put. I suddenly realised the soundtrack was created by an absolute idiot. <laughs> Whatever nineties inmate at the time is on the playlist. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah, but like I just like nobody. Like, it's, it's 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 interesting that this is a Hollywood film, and yet it, the soundtrack seems entirely aimed at a UK audience. Because it, it's mostly dance acts, British dance acts. The, um, and again, um, dance or EDM, as Americans call it, yes. um, was not popular at the time in the 90s in the US. So it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah. I mean, we started having, oh, because it's only on in movies, basically. So it was, yeah, they weren't popular, but then there would be a ton of, there would be big in, not movies not like this so it'd be um as movie that didn't necessarily do well until the matrix later on but um you know where you'd have things like hackers or things that were like cyber you know what is it cyber thrillers or whatever they were called yeah where they would fit in that sense but yeah uh, I, obviously the soundtrack was made by a, a british dance enthusiast yes. who happened to be on the uh, the, the production <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, but um i think we've probably said everything we can say about 1997's the scenes and um yep that brings this film to a close um pretty much this season to a close um so just as we head on out um if you want to give uh, kind of uh, plugs and uh, kind of social media details and uh, we'll go with wayne first Oh, well, thank you very much. Thanks very, very much to uh, Scott and Craig for asking me back again. I've had a blast talking about The Saint. Um, even though it's not the greatest film in the world, it was still very much enjoyable. And the notes I made and critically watching this film was a lot of fun. You can find me on Twitter at uh, One Pound Movie Pod. You can find me on Facebook at the One Pound Movie Podcast. And you can find me on podcast, you know, streaming things, wherever you, wherever you get your podcasty um downloads from just put the one pound movie pod come on we'll watch some b movie trash and some oscar winners and talk about them and see what i've got for a pound that's basically it yes and thank you very much guys for asking me on again that's uh, no problem it's no problem at all it's good to have you back on as have been a lot of fun yeah. and the, the the tombstone episode we did with you was a, a lot of fun too um so craig uh, do you want to give the usual yes. uh, details that you give Sure. Uh, yeah. If you want to 
find me i'm as scott mentioned i am one of one third of the bloodhound picks p-i-x podcast you can find us on twitter instagram facebook or our website just bloodhoundpicks.com or you know bloodhound picks all one word and with that podcast we look at usually older obscure or independent horror films that we'll just quickly highlight and we'll also sometimes interview you know, members of the independent horror community be it um, bloggers filmmakers comic book artists um, whatever it may be we just we'll talk to them about what it is like trying to continue on with this art in the modern age and especially during this pandemic um, and then if you'd like to follow me personally uh, my name yeah, is it's under Craig Dram, D-R-A-H-E-I-M. And that's on, I think Twitter is just Craig Dram. Instagram is Craig.Dram. And that is, yeah, that's me. And if you want to hear more of my voice, uh, you can on my fortnightly interview show, uh, New Horror Express. Uh, New Horror Express also has a spin-off show, uh, the Guilty Pleasure Podcast, where um, me and a guest will look at um, some of uh, 21st century horror's guiltiest pleasures. Um, and you can find um, that on the website, newhorrorexpress.com. You find us on Twitter at newhorrorexpressexp. And you can also find us on Facebook. If you want to hit me up directly, you can at scottmurphy85. And if you want to hit this show up, you can on Twitter as well at 90s underscore all. Um, and basically, if you want to rate, review and subscribe to us uh, wherever you get podcasts, wherever, whether that be uh, the likes of Apple Podcasts or, or Spotify, uh, please do that. And if you are reviewing the show, if you can please give the show five stars, that would be great because if you give us less than five stars, then the algorithm thinks that we're shit. And um, yeah, you don't want to do that because that's not supporting the show. So um, <laughs> so don't don't uh, piss off the algorithm gods. That's, that's not what we want. Um, so five stars. Thanks again. <laughs> but really, that is the end for this one. Uh, please do join us again next week when we will be talking about Mission Impossible. Until then, though, see ya.